I was getting all this praise for, oh, you're so healthy, you're so fit, you have six pack abs. And inside I was like dying. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was like so um, crazy to reflect upon that because it's not the external appearance that tells the whole story. What does true wellness mean to you? I'm Claudia Cometa, and that is the question I will be leading with in the Minding Wellness podcast. Each and every week, I will bring you experts who will share their personal wellness journeys and their insights into what it means to mind our wellness. Health is a state of body. Wellness is a state of being. Let's dive into improving our state of being. This week on the Minding Wellness Podcast, I am thrilled to welcome Katie Pijanowski. Katie is a certified health and life coach, host of the Mind and Body Strong Podcast, and motivational speaker. She coaches women on overcoming food obsession, reducing stress and anxiety, and releasing the fears holding them back from living their most full life. Katie specializes in habit change coaching and helps her clients uncover what's holding them back so that they can stay empowered and take steps towards what they want. Chatting with Katie was kind of like when you're in a foreign country and you meet somebody who speaks your same language and you immediately connect. We, I feel like immediately connected, we speak the same sort of life language and I am sure you will enjoy this. Here we go. Super excited to be here this week with Katie Pijanowski, and I'm really kind of super excited that I think I pronounced that right (laughs) Um, on the first try. Yeah, so excited. No, I'm really happy to have Katie here. I love her story, her vulnerability, her realness in a world that often is not that way, you know, with social media and such. And so I really am excited to bring her story and her insights to the podcast today. Thanks for being here, Katie. Thank you so much for having me, Claudia. Super excited to share. Yeah. All right. Well, let's dive into the first question. As I always ask, what does true wellness mean to you? I love that you asked this question. I did some journaling on this and for true wellness to me is being able to feel comfortable, confident in your mind, body, and soul in a way that allows you to trust yourself and show up and share your gifts with the world. It's, it's like this secure feeling that guides you even through uncertain times, which I think is is so great. It's something you can kind of like fall back on. Um, I know I used to have this belief that like wellness and health was like a one size fits all thing. And I've really adapted um, through my own self exploration and through helping many of my clients just know that health and wellness kind of looks different for everyone. And I think that's what's so beautiful about it is we get to define it ourselves. Mm, yes. Some of the words that really stood out for me, although all of that was really great, is um, comfortable, confident, and trusting yourself. I think we could all kind of use those reminders here and there. And I love that you journaled about that. And I love that you spent the time to to dive into some of the episodes. So you uh, a student already off the bat. <laughs> so, <laughs> I wanted to get a feel for like what you share here. And I'm so aligned with the message that you share and all the guests that you bring on and yeah, I thank you for bringing on so many amazing people. It's inspired me as well. Oh, you're so welcome. And it's always so great to hear that. I know as a fellow entrepreneur, solopreneur, podcaster, you uh, understand how, how infrequently we hear, um, I guess, a sufficient amount of feedback. I'm not sure what a sufficient amount would be, but maybe sometimes any. So it's always good to hear that. 
All right. Well, let's dive into your story. So kind of take us through your journey, what experiences you had that led you to the work and coaching that you do today. Absolutely. Okay. So like Claudia mentioned, my name is Katie Pijanowski. I'm a life coach. I live here in um, Dallas, Texas. Um, and my journey through health really started, um, I feel like my journey has kind of always been in progression, but um, four years ago, I decided to jump into the health field by being a health coach with an MLM company. And I really did that for, I always had this vision of helping people. Um, I always knew that that's what I wanted to do with my life. And I went to school for a psychology degree. So I was really kind of into that field. And when I found this realm of health coaching, I thought, what an amazing thing. I wanted to get healthy. I was just out of college. I didn't feel like I had any excuses anymore um, to not to put that first. So when I found this avenue of health coaching, I jumped right in. And that led me to becoming a group fitness instructor. I then became a pers certified personal trainer and started teaching outdoor boot camps here in Dallas, Texas called Camp Gladiator. I did that for two years. And Throughout my personal progression of my journey, that whole realm of health and fitness and all of that um, really drove home this kind of like all or nothing mentality. That's kind of what I was getting from being in that space. It was like you either do all the workouts and eat all the perfect food or you don't and you feel like guilt and shame behind it. And I was experiencing it that way. It's not true for everyone. So I do want to put that out there. But that was my personal experience through going through that. So. There was a time about a year ago, actually a year ago, yeah, from now, where I really took a hard look at my life and said, what is, is this really working for me? Um, I had just gone through a lot of really crazy life transitions. I had ended a six-year relationship um, that I'd been in for a long time. I then had to move multiple times and wasn't feeling great in my career, had kind of lost myself within the relationship. And because of all the emotional stuff I was going through, turned to food for comfort. So I experienced a lot of binge eating, a lot of guilt behind that because I was portraying myself as this health coach who was closet binge eating and felt a lot of um, misalignment, a lot of not really showing up in integrity. So I finally took a hard look at my life and said something needs to change. And I think a big part of that was a few of my friends who had been following in my, my health coaching, they were very honest about what they were experiencing, which was very much what I was also experiencing. And I think being able to see that someone else I cared about was going through something similar was kind of like almost the switch that allowed me to look at my own life and say, there's, there's something that can change here. And being the person I am who is very driven to find answers, who's very driven to also share what I'm learning, I dove right in and found myself in the intuitive eating world, which allowed me to finally kind of heal this relationship that I had built up for so long with, with food being like the enemy, so to speak, um, which then led me to kind of healing my relationship with my body, healing with um, being able to allow emotions back into my life. I think for so long I was taught to just suppress a lot of what I was feeling and everything's fine. You, like, you have to get through this. Be the strong girl. You know, all these things we like to, to chant to ourselves in name of health or in name of success or whatever it might be. And I really had to look at that and say, is this really serving me? And it, it really wasn't, honestly. So I had to really dial it back, really get honest with myself, um, 
I kind of turned the work off chain, working out chain down a little bit. I was way over exercising, um, which caused an injury. And I dialed that back, really dialed in on healing my relationship with food, really getting honest with myself, being able to express emotions um, and hold space for that and know that I can feel a negative emotion and still be okay. I think that was a really scary thing for me once. Um, and that kind of led me into life coaching. I found myself getting certified as a health and life coach. And I feel like my it's my true calling to be a life coach because I've been through all of the different life transitions and struggles and experienced a lot of stress and overwhelm from that, um, a lot of burnout in different areas of my life. And now I feel like that's kind of my true calling is to help women kind of find their, find their ground in that, find their peace within so that even in times of uncertainty, they can still come back to these grounding practices and show themselves self-care while still, you know, maneuvering in this uncertain world that we live in with confidence. Hmm. Really so many things to unpack here. I've, I always kind of take notes while my guests are talking and just the things that kind of pop out to me, you know, the all or nothing mentality that you mentioned, we've kind of mentioned this on the podcast before, not in, in super large amounts of detail, but I think that it's so important to point this out. I think this pandemic has even heightened the awareness of this. And so those of us, and I, and I include me because I get into, into an overworkout scenario often and you know, pre-COVID, maybe we were over-exercising and overdoing it and not being intuitive with our bodies. And then COVID happened and all the gym shut down. And then it's like, it, it was like a shock to the system. And then we don't know what to do. And we forgot that, you know, you can actually go for walks in nature. So um, it's, it's was a really interesting transition for me. So I wonder if you could dive in a little bit more to this all or nothing mentality, how, how you maybe fell into it and maybe even maybe even were kind of a part of it as you were a personal trainer, because I think it's also very easy to um, sort of embody what a, what any given industry is supporting and then how you sort of worked your way out of it and now utilize more of an intuition with maybe both eating and exercise. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, the all or nothing mentality was definitely kind of instilled with the personal training aspect of what I was living in the moment. And in my mind, it was, you know, I have to look a certain way in order to be successful or be seen as a leader. And I took my, my body and my mind to the extremes of, you know, dieting very extremely, working out sometimes two hours a day, never taking breaks because, and it wasn't even the, the sad part about all of this, that reflecting upon this and I reflect upon, you know, that, that girl I was is looking back. It wasn't, I was getting all this praise for, Oh, you're so healthy. You're so fit. You have six pack abs. And inside I was like dying. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was like, so um, crazy to reflect upon that because it's not the external appearance that tells the whole story. And I think from me experiencing that um, and being this, you know, quote unquote, spitting image of health when really I was probably the most unhealthy I've ever been in my life because I was suppressing so many emotions. I was working out so much to the point of like making myself, you know, physically, mentally drained, um, dieting to the point where I would binge and, and diet, binge and diet and that yo-yo cycle. Um, looking back, it was just, it was just not the way I wanted to live. It was not the way I wanted to teach other people. 
And when I realized that aspect of it, um, I really wanted to shift. I really wanted to be in a place where with myself, where I could just slow down and feel okay, where I could know that I can be successful and feel beautiful or feel, you know, feel confident without having that have specific parameters around it. And I also wanted to be able to show other women, especially that they could do that as well. I wanted to be able to hold space for women to find what's true for them because a lot of times what I was seeing coming to my workout classes were men and women, um, women and men coming to my classes and saying things like, well, I'm here because I ate really awful this weekend. And I'm so, I'm thinking to myself, oh, so you're here to punish yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not cool. Um, and that really started to open up my eyes to the fact that people really look to exercise routines and like all these diets for like almost trying to like purify themselves or something and like put all this guilt and shame behind it. And I was like, no, like what if, did you have a good weekend? Like who were you with and what were you feeling? Like, were you excited to be around friends and family? Did you go swimming? Like, what did you do? And like, oh yeah, I had a really great time. Okay. So forget about all the beers you drank. Like, okay, mm-hmm. today's a new day. Let's start over. We don't need to punish ourselves with exercise. And the same is true for the whole exercise food mentality of you don't have to earn your food. We were just talking about this in, I'm a part of like a free group on Facebook and we had this conversation about food yesterday and it was so eye-opening to see so many other women experiencing this. All these internal rules we've created around food, like I have to earn certain foods or I can only eat these types of food on the weekend. I can't eat past a certain time. And naturally some of us might just choose to do that, which is totally okay. I just think anytime you're trying to force yourself into a specific way of eating or force yourself into a specific way of exercising, when in fact you might feel like it's a chore, it's, it's not serving you. Like I always tell my clients, like if they're like, I want to work out, but it feels like a chore. I'm like, then don't do it. Like, what do you like to do? Do you like to walk? Do you like to rock climb? Do you like to go paddle boarding? Like that counts. And I think the field of fitness that I was in, it was like, if you didn't do a 30 minute workout every single day, or you didn't go to this really, really intense workout three, four times a week that you were somehow less than or not keeping up or not successful. And it's this constant, like just race for never having enough. And now it's, how I've shifted is just honestly being able to like, just step back and just observe. Like one of the biggest things about transforming any piece of your life is awareness. So I had to first be aware that the situation I was in was not serving me anymore and to accept where I was at and be able to like, be okay with that. And from there I was able to acknowledge what I wanted to change and be able to show myself a lot of compassion. I think that's the biggest piece that anyone doing any kind of shift can do for themselves is show yourself some grace, show yourself some compassion. It's okay. Like what I had to shift to when I was going through binge eating and all of that stuff and was feeling a lot of guilt around the weight I had gained is I started shifting to this mentality of, you know, this, this weight is like a symbol of my survival through the toughest period of my life. Like that is what this is. And I shifted to really showing a lot of like grace and love towards this new weight that I had on my body as a symbol of survival because I had made it through 
a lot of life transitions in a very short amount of time. And I came out on the other side and definitely can say because of that experience, I'm stronger than ever. Um, so yeah, I think awareness, I think acceptance, I think acknowledging what we can do to just make little shifts. And I'm talking little, like for me, it was in the beginning, like all I did in the morning was wake up, make my bed, brush my teeth, drink some water. And then whatever I did after that point was okay. But at that point in my life, it was so hard to even get up out of bed. So just making small steps of like waking up when my alarm went off, making my bed, brushing my teeth, drinking the water, like those little steps over time added up until I was able to add on the next habit. And I think that's where some people can miss the point of like, well, if I don't do all of the things all of the time, I'm somehow not successful. It's like, well, can you do it one day this week? And then the next week, can you do it two times this week? And then when you take that pressure off of yourself, sometimes you just notice that like, oh, okay, this is actually easier than I thought. And you end up just kind of making it happen. <laughs> does that make sense? No, it really does. I mean, so much of, uh, I, I resonate with so much of what you're saying. And I know a lot of the listeners will too. I think, I think we all have fallen into so many traps. And I think about my grandmother who is now officially a hundred years old and oh. I don't think has ever exercised you know, in the t way we do ever has exercised a day in her life. And mm -hmm. she has no, like, there would be no guilt about it. She wouldn't even understand the levels of exercise we do in the modern day, you know? And so, um, you know, I think about how we have shifted over the decades to, to a picture of what is, what is right. You know, like what you're, like you said, you know, I am not a value unless I'm doing it this way that I am seeing everybody else do it when there's no, there's no inherent truth to that. I mean, there's obviously people who have gone before us who didn't work out in that way or maybe at all. And so I love that you, you know, talk about just the awareness first and then asking the question. I think, I think we benefit so much by asking ourselves some questions, just some enlightening, like, is this really serving me? Whatever I'm doing right now, do I feel good about it? Is it serving me? And I think that there would be a lot of um, further questioning if we could just open the door to that first question. So I really appreciate you um, talking through that because I think a lot of us fall into cycles that become robotic and that we don't give ourselves the open spaces to reflect on is this, does this even make sense? Like, what am I doing? Does this even make sense? So, so let's talk a little about you. You talk about uh, emotional eating and what to do when you may be needing to eat for comfort. Um, and so I would love, I know that this is a topic for a lot of people, again, especially during the pandemic, you know, people kind of joking about their, you know, their weight gain and stuff during, during the quarantine, but there have been a lot of heightened emotions during this pandemic. And there are of course, heightened emotions at various times in the seasons of our lives. So can you talk a little bit about um, emotional eating? And I know you've written um, about this on your blog too, kind of expanding on that and, um, you know, some of your advice for listeners who find themselves in that cycle. Absolutely. So with emotional eating, I think the first thing that comes to mind on this topic for any of you who might be experiencing what you consider emotional eating is first of all, it's not bad. It's just look at it as a neutral circumstance. It's just the best tool that you have come up with at this point to deal with stress. And it's okay. We don't have to, the meaning that you're choosing to make about emotional eating is bad is just a story. And that's what I had to come to realize. That's what I challenge my clients to think of is like, is this really bad though? Is it 
it could be serving you in that moment. However, if you have decided, you know, maybe I do want to shift, like maybe I'm just always going to the pantry and eating the cookies because they're there. I, again, I, I just encourage you to ask yourself questions and from compassion, not like, oh my gosh, I'm doing this again, going to the cookies, because it's bringing you a lot of like guilt when you, when you say it like that. Instead, just offer yourself like a question, like, is there something that I need that's not cookies right now? Like maybe I need connection, especially in this time of a pandemic. Maybe I just need to call someone and like tell them how much I appreciate them in my life and just connect with someone. Or maybe I need extra sleep. When we don't sleep enough, oftentimes our what our bodies try to do is try to basically tell us to go eat more food because we need more energy when really we might just need more sleep. So ask yourself, have you been getting enough sleep lately? Ask yourself, have you been taking enough time to relax and rest like mentally and physically? I know for me, especially I work a full-time job right now as well outside of my coaching practice. And one of the things I had to do very early on is set boundaries for my work hours because we get really caught up in the working all day, all day long, since a lot of us are now working from home. So maybe it's a boundary setting thing that we have to establish. Um, but really the food aspect of it, it's, it's not even so much about the food, which is so funny. Um, we all think that it's like, oh, how do I stop emotional eating? Well, do you even need to stop? Like sometimes I still emotionally eat. It's just a, sometimes I just look at it as, oh, okay, I chose the cookies today instead of this other thing all right, like next time I can choose something else from my toolbox. It's all about just building up your toolbox of different coping mechanisms to deal with stress, to deal with whatever emotions you might be trying to escape and allowing yourself to just be okay with which, whichever one you've chosen. Uh, letting yourself off the hook a little bit. Um, I think that's the most important piece that I have to share about emotional eating and, and really just slow down when you are eating, whatever it is. Even if you... Like for me, that's what I did when I was binge eating a lot. I would just slow down and ask myself, like, is, am I really enjoying this? Is this really what I want right now? Because I can have any food, like any food's available to me. So is this really the one I want to choose right now? And sometimes that was yes. And sometimes that was no. And if you just give yourself the time and space to actually just be curious about your experience instead of, and kind of like jump out of that autopilot, you had mentioned like being kind of in the same robotic position in our lives. And a lot of us get that way. And I think this pandemic and everything that's happening in the world has really woken a lot of us up. It's taken us out of our routine. It's had us, a lot of us take a hard look at our lives and really realize like what's working, what's not. And I think it's a great opportunity for us to really explore more about ourselves. And that's kind of where I feel like the avenue of emotional eating comes. It's like, it's just another avenue for you to be more compassionate and explore more about yourself. If you're looking for a compassionate workout option, I have one for you. One that tones your entire body is low impact and fun. OXO, spelled A-U-X-O, fitness specializes in a variety of bar, that's B-A-R-R-E, classes designed to strengthen and lengthen. Whether you attend their friendly in-studio environment or their virtual classes via Zoom, which is my personal preference right now during this difficult time, or you can do a mix of both. OXO is a warm place where you can grow in strength, confidence, community, and more. They offer a welcoming, inclusive environment where clients and staff are encouraged to be their most authentic self. 
OXO instructors provide safe and effective workouts with modifications for individual clients to help you meet your most empowered self. They offer yoga, body flow, and specialty classes each and every month. And unlike what you might think, no prior dance or athletic experience is necessary. All ages and fitness levels benefit from the challenging bar classes and energetic atmosphere. Come check out Gainesville's only locally owned bar studio and start growing with us today. They are excited to celebrate and embrace you just as you are while helping you achieve your personal wellness goals. You can go to oxofitness.com, that's A-U-X-O-Fitness.com to take advantage of their 10 days for $10 deal. You can also find the information on the show notes page where you can just click the link. Now back to my conversation. Really, I love the uh, a take on that being that it's not the story we're telling ourselves is that it's bad and then we're angry with ourselves and then we punish ourselves and then we want to go exercise it off and, you yes. know, just reframing that as no, this is just, this is, this is the best tool I have right now to deal with what I'm dealing with. And maybe it's not the best option right now, but it also certainly isn't the worst. So, you know, maybe I can ask myself some inquiry type questions and dive a little bit deeper. And I, yeah, I, I really, I really appreciate that take on it because I don't think that we give ourselves that space. It's just immediate. We make a decision and then we're immediately mad at ourselves about it. We're immediately judging that decision. And then we're just forever on the cycle and we're forever unhappy with where we're at. So I definitely appreciate that take. You talked on your blog about the importance of mindset, specifically around the marathon you ran earlier this year. So I would love to hear more about that. You mentioned dropping the expectations of what it should look like, which I think is also so important in so many aspects of our life, but definitely of our health and wellness. So can you kind of expand on that whole experience and the mindset piece? Ooh, yes. I love to talk about expectations. It's one of the first things I like to kind of debunk in my one-on-one sessions is our expectations are just, you know, setting us up for, again, that kind of all or nothing. It's, it could be setting us up for failure because if we have this expectation that we're going to, for example, my marathon, run this marathon, complete it with like this really crazy time, and then I don't make it, I'm just setting myself up to be disappointed unless you've already, you know, the mindset of it is if you know, like you're going to set this goal, you're going to do your best. And then you get there and you just use that as information. Like, okay, I missed the mark this time. What can I do to prepare? Really setting yourself up with the the right expectations can be so important. So in the, in the instance of this marathon, I've never run a marathon before. I'm not a super big runner, but my friend, Um, Caitlin decided that we were going to do this Disney marathon. And to be honest, I didn't really train for it that much. I've done a couple of half marathons. I had done one two months prior and finished that. And I was freaking out like the week of, I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to be crazy. But it was because of the expectation I had that I had to somehow show up and, you know, run super fast or, you know, whatever the expectation I had at the time. And so the morning of, and kind of the night before I decided that my only expectation for this race was to make it so much fun. Like that was my expectation. It didn't matter how fast I ran. It didn't matter how much I walked, how much I ran. I just decided that every step I took was just, I was just going to be grateful for that next step. And honestly, like I ran 18 miles out of the 25, it was 26.2, whatever that is. Um, it started getting really, really hot abnormally in Florida for January. So we actually got pulled off the course, but 
of those 18 miles, like I can tell you, like, I, I had a good time because I decided at the beginning that even when it was hard and even when my feet hurt, that I was just going to have a good time. And that was my only expectation that I put out there. But expectations can really hold us back from a lot of things, whether it be I'm, I'm far, I'm farther behind or I'm never going to catch up. Those things can really start to roadblock you. Because as soon as you're saying those types of things, or I should be doing X, Y, Z, anytime you say should, it's because what you're saying is on someone else's agenda, not your own. So I would really question you if you're saying I should be doing this, whose agenda are you on? Because you're not on your own when you're saying that. Same with try. I'm going to try and run this week. When you say the word try, you're, you're not committing to the actual goal. You're giving yourself an out in a way to kind of give up on yourself. One of my coaches gave the best example to explain, explain the word try. If you hold up a piece of paper in front of you, I want you to just try to rip the paper. Just try. And you start ripping it, right? Well, you're ripping the paper now. So you're either not ripping the paper or you're ripping the paper. Which one is it? You, you can't try to rip the paper. So I really question those kinds of wordings because it, it tells me a lot about how someone is thinking about the process and the way we think really creates the results in our lives. So I think it's so important to like listen into how we are wording things, how we're speaking to ourselves internally, lots of inner mind drama and stuff. Um, so really diving in and pulling all of that apart and really just like dissecting it so that we can open up and ask ourselves more questions brings in the room for more opportunity to grow. Mm, I so agree with the language that we use. And I think we get so used to using it and we don't even realize what it is meaning or what we are telling ourselves when we say it, because it's just, you know, we grow up learning certain language. We grow up talking like the people who are around us, talking like our parents, talking like our friends. And not many people are intentional about not saying certain words. And I have, I have over the past year, year or so been a lot more intentional. So I completely understand where you're coming from with the try and should and and uh, I and I think that it's so habitual that we don't even realize it until we start to point things out. Just like you said, and I'm huge into analogies, so I love the paper analogy. But uh, but it is so true. And I love that your expectation for the run was just to have fun because we do put all of the. Not only do we put ourselves in high intense intensity workouts, but then we put the pressure on ourselves for it to be something, you know, for it to be a PR, for it to be a certain time, for it to be, you know, a a certain placement in a race. And, and how often are we just there to have fun? I mean, hardly ever. I know that I've run a few, you know, a few races and I remember, you know, early on when I was doing it and I would run by people just taking pictures and I thought, I mean, what are they doing? They're wasting, you know, they're, they're shaving time (laughs) off their time. Like, why would you be taking pictures? We got to go. And then, you know, as I have sort of grown in my own mindset and my own, you know, surrendered spirit, I realized like, no, that's pretty fantastic that they are there to have so much fun that they care so little about what their time is that they're going to take pictures because they want to remember, you know, maybe they're putting it on social media. I don't know, but you know, (laughs) if that's what they feel like they want to do, what, who is it, you know, who, who are we to say that they should or shouldn't? I mean, that's awesome. If you want to take pictures, you, you know, this is your, your journey and marathoning, I feel like is very applicable to just life in general. You know, all of these, all of these 
insights that you just mentioned are applicable to this marathon that we call life. It's not just any running event. So if somebody's listening and is like, oh, well, this doesn't apply to me because I'm not a runner, it really is applicable to our, our run of life. So I appreciate all of those great insights. All right, as we wrap up, I really have enjoyed this this conversation, Katie, and I, I really encourage people to to find you, learn more, read your blog. Um, I have loved our conversation, and I would love for people to know where they can find you. So uh, I'm sure that you do a lot of virtual coaching, so you are not limited by geography. Where can people learn more? Yeah, so I hang out a lot on Instagram. You can find me at mindandbodystrong.com. Um, well, that's my website as well, but Mind and Body Strong on Instagram. And I have a podcast as well that's called the Mind and Body Strong Podcast. And I hang out, I release weekly episodes on there, but I hang out a lot on Instagram. So you can find a lot about what I do and how to work with me, all of the stuff there. So fabulous. Thank you so much for sharing with our audience, with me. I always, you know, I feel like as leaders, we are also lifelong students. And so I enjoy every episode as if I'm, I'm the student learning. And, and so, and sometimes I, I, I forget that I'm leading the podcast because I'm so into the conversation. I'm like, oh, right, right. I'm not here just to listen. <laughs> so um, I have enjoyed this, really genuinely enjoyed this, Katie. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I've enjoyed the, our time together as well. Thank you so much to Katie for joining us today, sharing these wonderful insights. I just love all of the inquisitive, curious questions that we should ask ourselves, but specifically with compassion. So thank you for pointing that out, reminding us of how important that is. I hope that you all found value in this episode and that you'll take a minute to review me if you did on iTunes. It helps others find us and hear all of these great guests and their insights. I look forward to seeing you here again next time.